0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In our second segment today, we're going to hear from an old pal. That would be Gordon Uncle John Javna, the editor of the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader Series. We have used the Bathroom Readers series to spice up this program for many years now, and uh, Uncle John's been a great guest in the past, and we're quite confident he will continue to be that today. Stay tuned for that in our second segment. We have something of a twofer for today's program. Uh, It's been my privilege to, on occasion, go over to Capital Public Radio and host the Inside program when Jeffrey Callison takes a vacation. I took the reins on Tuesday as Jeffrey's down enjoying uh, margaritas off the Mexican coast and can recommend that show to you. you should, if you want to listen, you can go to capradio.org insight. It is available for podcast. And, uh, and on that program, we, um, which marked the 30th anniversary of the Jonestown Massacre, we spoke with UC Davis sociology professor John R. Hall, who has written two books about, uh, about that, uh, that uh, horrific uh, series of events. And other matters related to religious cults it was a most informative chat, and I, I hope you'll check that out. In addition, uh, uh, a talk we had with Davis author Tom Bleese, who's written a book titled "Prescription for the Planet." Tom believes that the solution for both global warming and our energy problems are at hand now. We're going to make every effort to bring uh, Tom on the program in December, but in the meantime, again check check out what he's got to say at capradio.org/insight our third guest former US ambassador to Egypt uh, Francis Richardoni was also well worth your time i think but let's begin the program as we like to do with on this date in history which in our case today is the 20th of November it was on November 20th in 1616 that bishop later cardinal richelieu became the french secretary of state While encouraging commercial capitalism overseas, Richelieu is best known for policies at home which consolidated and centralized royal authority. On this date in 1820, the American whaler Essex was attacked and sunk by an 80-ton sperm whale 2,000 miles from the western coast of South America. Herman Melville's classic novel Moby, Moby Dick was inspired in part by this event. Considering the decimation of the world's whales, uh, conducted by whalers, which is something that continues to this very day, we're happy to score one for the whales on this one. On this date in 1866, James Haven and Charles Hittrick of Cincinnati, Ohio, received the first U.S. patent for the yo-yo. On this date in 1902, George Lefebvre and Henri Desgrange, I think I said that, approximately right, created the Tour de France bicycle race. And it was on November 20th in 1923 that the American inventor Garrett Morgan patented the automatic traffic signal. Morgan was evidently distressed after seeing an automobile crash into a horse-drawn carriage, and this prompted his handy invention, which we all rely upon. Our quote of the day comes from Alaska Governor Sarah Palin who was quoted not long after Election Day as saying, I'm like, okay, God, if there's an open door for me somewhere, this is what I always pray. I'm like, don't let me miss the open door. And if there's an open door in 12 or, or four years later, and if it's something that's going to be good for my family, for my state, for my nation, an opportunity for me, then I'll plow through that door. Wrote Kathleen Parker in her syndicated column, Let's do pray that God shows the Alaska governor the door. Our quip of the day comes from George Carlin in Braindroppings, and we want to thank our loyal listener who thoughtfully dropped off a copy down at Lower Freeborn for our use in, in quotes and quips. Sid Carlin, I have as much authority as the Pope. I just don't have as many people who believe it. Our joke of the day comes from David Letterman, who said, Ladies and gentlemen, Barack Obama is our new president, and I think I speak for most Americans when I say, anybody mind if he starts a little early? Our two bonus jokes of the day comes from the Uncle John's Unsinkable Bathroom Reader. The first comes from Danny McCrossin, who said, the sign said, this door to remain closed at all times. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that defeat the purpose of a door? And of course, one we've used before, but can't resist, from Rodney Dangerfield. I joined Gamblers Anonymous. They gave me two to one, I wouldn't make it. Our stat of the day comes from the old Farmer's Almanac. And is that for this date, the declination of the sun, that is how high it is in the sky, is 20 degrees below the celestial equator. Throughout the year, it goes from 23 degrees above to 23 degrees below. It's done most of the dropping it's going to do. It'll go three more degrees south between now and the winter solstice and climb those three degrees back by January 20th. Something we tend to think of every year about this time. Why don't we go into the good, the bad, and the ugly? According to The Week magazine, it was a good week this week for Tony Dow, who played Wally Cleaver on Leave it to Beaver. One of his abstract sculptures went on display at the Louvre. Said the 63-year-old Dow, I'm really proud of Leave it to Beaver, but I don't think they know anything about that at the Louvre. It was conversely a bad week for reveling. When it was revealed that participants in the Boulder, Colorado, annual Naked Pumpkin Run, well, at least some of them, may be forced to register as sex offenders. Apparently, 150 revelers ran naked through the streets of Boulder wearing pumpkins on their heads, causing police to arrest 12 on charges of indecent exposure. And if convicted, they could be classified as sex offenders, said Eric Rasmusman, one of the pumpkin wearers. I was thinking minor fine or community service. I was not thinking of sex offender. Mr. McMillan notes that that is available on LiveLeak.com. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for doing unto others. After a feud between Armenian and Greek Orthodox monks at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem erupted into a punching and kicking melee, And yes, the footage of the brawl is available on YouTube, and we highly recommend it. It prompts, in several instances, that age-old question, who would Jesus sucker punch? Oh, the Protestants hate the Catholics, and the Catholics hate the Protestants, and the Hindus hate the Muslims, and everybody hates the Jews. But during National Brotherhood Week, National Brotherhood Week, it's national everyone smile at. Brotherhood Week, be nice to people who are inferior to you. It's only for a week, so have no fear. Be grateful that it doesn't last all year. And that, of course, is the immortal Tom Lear doing National Brotherhood Week among his many gems. Lear, by the way, currently earns his living as a professor of mathematics here in the University of California system. He's at UC Santa Cruz. He unfortunately gave up his performing career and and noted that although many people do sign up for his lectures in mathematics, they quickly learn that there are no humorous theorems. And one of Radio Parallax's sometime contributors, Ed Hunter, uh, once uh, once cold-called Tom Lear at Santa Cruz just to tell him he admired his work. For that, we applaud Mr. Hunter. And from the Only in America file, we have the fact that the Terrell, Texas Tribune did not mention in its November 5th edition that Barack Obama had won the presidential election because they said it was not local news. Said Tribune editor Bill Jordan, we covered the local commissioner's race. We thought that was more important. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is another reason why people from Texas should not be granted a great deal of political power. And I must say, this correspondent continues to get a great laugh over the fact that uh, people are acting as though, wow, isn't it remarkable that in this election, (laughs) that mathematics seemed to have worked? Why, the poll data appeared to be substantiated in the actual voting data. Since this wasn't the case in the last two elections, they're saying, well, obviously that just doesn't work in America for some reason. The alternative explanation, ladies and gentlemen, is that the vote count was altered. The biggest winner in this latest round apparently is Nate Silver, the 30-year-old statistics geek who created the 538writtenout.com blog, which used a sophisticated blend of every poll available to forecast the election with what's described as uncanny accuracy. We were turned on to the website by listener Lisa and told her that we thought Nate Silver was right. And, of course, he was. The recent election in Nicaragua didn't go quite so well, however. Nicaraguan President Daniel Ortega had refused to accredit election monitors, saying they were financed by outside powers. The U.S. criticized the vote. Yeah, that the Bush administration criticized the vote in the classic case of the pot calling the kettle black. Said State Department spokesman Robert Wood, political conditions that existed during the campaign were not conducive to free and fair elections. But, uh, you know, we'd say you can bet your ass Daniel Ortega's party is going to remain in power in Nicaragua. And from the foreign file, uh, vice presidential candidate Joe Biden, among others, predicted that Barack Obama would be tested very soon by other nations. We don't, however, agree with the contention that Russian President Dmitry Medvedev is already testing Barack Obama with his announcement that Russia would deploy missiles near Poland if Obama proceeded with the Bush administration plan to build missile defense facilities in Europe. We would characterize it more as Medvedev advising the world that the stupid U.S. move will result in a Russian stupid move if things go forward. Let's hope that uh, Barack Obama will not proceed with what uh, George W. Bush wants to do with missiles in Europe. And of course, we're very, very encouraged by the fact that uh, all the signals coming out of Camp, Camp Obama are that there's going to be some changes and fast as soon as he takes office. Starting with the numerous executive orders George W. Bush put in place to uh, do, among other things, restrict stem cell research, and promote the domestic drilling of oil. Obama's also taken a very hard look at what we can do to close Guantanamo, which uh, has remained a very black mark on the U.S. image around the world. But then it would be hard to put a good face on the creation of a concentration camp now, wouldn't it? And and by the way, I don't know if this will disappoint anyone, but we've just abandoned uh, our movie review of W., the person assigned to talk to us about it just said, you know, I'm not in the mood. And this correspondent was quite appalled to see Oliver Stone on Mike Huckabee's Fox, uh, Fox News show. I don't know, maybe sometime next year we'll have a word or two to say about it. But uh, was kind of amused by the Sacramento Bee pre-election article on November 2nd, noting that George Bush was at peace with his low approval ratings, according to his aides. According to allies inside and outside the White House, George Bush's mood remains buoyant as his attention is focused on the global financial collapse. Said Kevin Sullivan, Bush's communication director, and I quote, his high energy level and spirit sets the tone for the rest of us. There's been no time to worry about any of this other stuff. By other stuff, we presume he means the war in Iraq, the stalemate in Afghanistan, the U.S. withdrawal from the world community of nations, and the crushing national debt. Yes, we're glad he's not distracted by that that other stuff. And of course, we can't go without mentioning the fact that the big three, the Detroit automakers, are in Congress uh, looking for a big handout. Barney Frank was on NPR yesterday morning defending how, well, we're only talking about $25 billion, for crying out loud. And by the way, we have Uncle John and the Bathroom Reader Series to thank for the fact that That famous quote from Everett Dirksen, you know, a billion here, a billion there, pretty soon it adds up to real money. The Dirksen once was quoted as saying, you know, I never really said that, I was misquoted, but it's such a good quote, I decided to leave it go uncorrected. But yes, the big three claim it's just, it's not their fault that, you know, they can't sell any cars. I mean, shoot, nobody wants to buy Hummers right now. And we should juxtapose this against another bizarre bit of piracy. In this case, literal piracy, off the coast of Africa, Somalis have seized a Saudi oil supertanker. Yes, a thousand foot long ship, the Sirius Star, carrying $100 million worth of crude oil, has been hijacked. Of course, the U.S. and other world navies seem powerless to do anything about this. And one wonders why we go about building the world's most powerful navy if we can't stop pirates. And these apparently, these two aforementioned stories apparently inspired Don Asmussen, bad reporter in the San Francisco Chronicle, <laughs> to write in his series of fake news cartoons World's pirate threat escalates. Sleeper cells may have entered U.S. CIA. Ar-Qaeda group plans attack. Domestic pirate families report prejudice. another cartoon asset noting, Pirate crisis widens. Maybe we should help them. Poll. Most Americans Against Pirate Bailout. Another headline noted, there's a leaked picture of Obama in pirate garb that surfaced. GOP investigation reveals President-elect's entire name is actually Barack Blackbeard Obama. You know, we've got to get that guy Don Asmussen on the show at some point. And it's no secret that Americans comedians are scared to death of the Obama presidency. I we'll love this Chronicle article by Joe Garofoli. that apparently the Center for Media and Culture checked and noted that Obama was the butt of only 58 jokes on the five major late-night comedy shows in September. That's opposed to Sarah Palin, who was the punchline 283 times, eclipsing John McCain's 245 and President Bush's 141 comedic blows. And you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, America's foremost comedian... Will Durst will have a thing or two to say about that, and we would like to note that Will is taking a bit of a vacation for the next few weeks, so we won't be blessed with his commentaries. I'm sure he'll be back tan, ready, and rested. But no, uh, we're very encouraged by the fact that Barack Obama is saying he wants fast action on global warming saying, now is the time to confront this challenge once and for all. Delay is no longer an option. Denial is no longer an acceptable response. The stakes are too high. The consequences too serious. Mr. McMillan, please cue up something appropriate. Another article about Barack Obama I've been sitting on for months, not knowing what time we should bring it up, but Barack Obama many months ago said, In a church speech that it was time for black fathers to step up and take responsibility for their children. Addressing a black congregation in Chicago many months back, Obama said, Too many fathers are MIA, too many fathers are AWOL, missing from too many lives and too many homes. For that, we applaud him. This, of course, is a very sore point for Barack Obama. He never really knew his Kenyan father and made a trip there in 1987 to try and unravel the mystery, because his father had died in a car accident in 1982, and discovered that his dad had a series of tangled relationships, by some accounts four wives and nine children. When he'd come to the United States, he left behind a pregnant Kenyan wife and child, and when he returned to Kenya, he took with him an American woman he'd met at Harvard. Kind of a tough issue for our national dialogue, but Barack Obama's just the guy to get that going. Let's take a break in a minute. Before we go, we want to note a local boy has made good. That would be Dustin Pedroya of Woodland, California, a graduate of Woodland High School. In 2001, he was named the American League's Most Valuable Player. And last year won Rookie of the Year awards, which makes him only the third person in Major League Baseball history to win the MVP after the Rookie of the Year. And, and no, doggone it, I don't know my baseball trivia. I don't know who the other two were. If you know, please send, drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. But, uh, you know, congratulations to Dustin Pedroia. I'm certainly no baseball expert, but a second baseman that bats uh, 326, that's pretty good. Apparently some scouts thought that at 5'6", he was too small to play major league ball, and he proved them all wrong. Good for you, Dustin. Let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Let's come back and talk to our old pal, Gordon Uncle John Javna. about his new, in this case, the 21st edition of the Uncle John's Bathroom Raider, this one titled, Unsinkable.